This is episode number 13, titled China, Acupuncture, and a Shift to Healing in a Loving Way with Dr. Barry Dish. Today, Lisa and Barry are going to be covering topics such as acupuncture, Barry's internship in China in 1985, and then his move with his wife Marie to China from 2001 to 2011. They're going to be talking about the differences in how medicine is practiced in China and the USA, his gradual shift to healing in a more loving way, and his passion for ergonomics, finance, and sustainability. This is Lisa Thorpe with Thorpe Institute of Integrated Medicine, Intel Bio, and this is Health and Wellness and Sinitis. Today we have Barry Dish, local acupuncturist with the Collaborative Clinic, where he works alongside with his wife, Dr. Marie Shea. Barry, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. I'm going to just let you go ahead and talk about um, your practice and your training. I know you you not only trained in China, but you worked in China. You speak fluent Chinese. Um, Well, it's getting kind of rusty. (laughs) I've been there for like three and a half years. Um, I do occasionally get um, massages down the street, and it's uh, these Chinese gals. And um, normally I wouldn't talk during a massage, but uh, the whole hour I'm jabbering away. <laughs> <laughs> and brushing up, removing the rust from your from your Chinese. That's right. And they're all from different provinces, so it's kind of good uh, practice. I, I never take the same person. It wouldn't be on their skill level. It would be, you know, just so I can speak Chinese. Um, yeah, so at any rate, my wife and I, um, we have a small little clinic, really low-key in Encinitas. Um, I think in our little building, there's like four acupuncturists. So this is the mecca of alternative medicine in in the United States. Um, uh, My wife is a family doctor, and she's kind of one of these um, MDs that have a very open mind. I knew her before she even went to medical school, so... I trained her. You know. uh, I'm just joking. She, she, she will hear. She's this. not here to, <laughs> to defend herself. But, um, yeah. So uh, you know Marie, anyway. So she's just really sweet, and um, she's amazing. Uh, uh, she d- asks a lot of the questions um, when we do the uh, f- patient interview. Uh, we spend a long time with patients um, since um, we've have this really low-key office. We don't charge very much. We don't have to. Uh, this is more labor of love than it is um, trying to make money. And probably spend an hour and a half with people So, in the first visit, um, which gives me a very different um, situation than I used to have. Uh, I, I lived and worked in China and worked in a hospital. And uh, if you were sick um, uh, in Beijing, uh, as an expat, you'd go to the hospital where I worked. It was... Uh, it was the main language spoken there was English, but, um, you know, all the staff or three-quarters of staff were uh, from China, uh, doctors and nurses and ancillary staff. And we also had, like, family doctors or internists from all over the world. And um, it, was, it, it was good. So our practice here 
It's very different. Uh, we we basically get to spend a long time with our patients, um, and we get to do the kind of medicine that we like to do. It's not um, drug-oriented, even though my wife's a family medicine doctor. We try to have people not take drugs, actually. And um, my role there is um, to do acupuncture, cranial sacral stuff, um, really just, um, I think... This is the chemistry that we have uh, in that in that clinic is just based on love. Honestly, it's like when you leave, you feel like you were loved. Uh, right, and I, I find that to be the the common denominator in the best practitioners that I meet are these people that not only have a tremendous amount of wisdom and skill, but when you spend time with them, when you go to them, they're unconditionally compassionate and loving. And and I know that of you, Anne-Marie, as just being exceptionally giving and compassionate. So, And the fact that you're running a, a practice like this, and it's on a sliding scale, right? Yeah. So that's exceptional. I mean, we, I don't know too many places where people can go for the kind of care that you're giving, and you're going to make it available for almost everyone. Yeah, well, we have a different philosophy, and I think we have a luxury too because, um, you know, we've I've been practicing thirty years, and she's been practicing twenty two. So we've earned a lot of money in our lives, and we've invested it well. So we don't really care about making money. I think if you're new and you're just out, you have this formula that you need to see a lot of people and have them come back a lot. And um, we don't have to do that. And we don't do that. Um, so that's that's a luxury again. But um, yeah, I mean, I wish that I would have always done that. <laughs> because there's a lot of pressure when you have a family and, you know, you you get a mortgage in a house and that's a whole nother story. But, um, I think the world is changing and, um, medicine is changing. And I think people are demanding, um, you know, that kind of, uh, service actually, you know, uh, in a different way than, than it was before. Well, I think it's amazing that you guys exist and, and I hope, and I expect that, um, the listeners for anybody listening to these podcasts, uh, I'm sure people would love to know more about the collaborative clinic and, and how to, to reach them. Uh, we certainly will have their information in the show notes. And you can also, if you have questions uh, about what we're doing here, about the podcast, people can, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, please always feel free to call in. The, the number is 206-600-2475. So listeners, uh, subscribers, by all means, please give us a call. We'd love to hear from you at 206-600-2475. You can also go to healthandwellnessencinitas.com. Once again, you'll be able to see show notes, uh, information about the podcast, as well as links that will uh, get you to uh, Barry and all of the other guests that we have here on the show. So Barry, what would you say is the main difference between how medicine is practiced in China versus here in the United States? Well, unfortunately, I think they've followed our model. Um, when I first went to China, did my internship in 1985, China was a very different place. Um, I mean, I lived in Beijing just um, from 2001 to 2011, 10 years straight, um, just about 10 years exactly straight. But I saw them build a size uh, city as Manhattan inside a city of Beijing. And it was a construction site, basically. 
uh, the whole time. They have six ring roads now. When I first got there, there was like mm, th uh, four. So they they put two more rings in. And Are those like freeways? or? Yeah, it's a ring around the city. Around it's the like city. Like Atlanta, a few cities in America have like these ring roads too. Yeah. And uh, 85, uh, it was kind of a joke almost. The higher your academic level was in China at that point in time, the lower amount of money you made, you know, opposite is in the United States. Um, and medicine was practiced, uh, it was like, um, it, it was truly a service, you know, oriented thing. You you were doing it for a rendering, for uh, just to serve the people. And now it's a money-making venture. And um, even in the Chinese medicine hospitals, that is one huge difference. A Chinese medicine hospital will have an MRI, a CAT scan. It'll have, uh, they'll use all the blood tests that we use here, uh, scopes. Uh, but what you'll find is that they diagnose it also according to Chinese medicine. And they'll have a, a label of, of a Western medicine disease, but they'll treat it more like a Chinese medicine malady and use uh, all alternatives or what we call, I guess uh, nowadays we call it integrated medicine, right? So it truly is integrated. Even at our hospital, they forced um, the Western medical doctors to learn more Chinese medicine because it is integrated in the society there much more than, than here. America's changed quite a bit that way too. I mean, remember when I was studying in the early 80s, uh, people would say, what do you do? You know, I lived in Ohio and my wife went to medical school. And the, the, I was definitely the only person around uh, uh, this area uh, in northeastern Ohio. Um, there were people who came up from Cincinnati, some Chinese guys, but um, it was different, yeah, than it is now. Uh, and and I, I would say I don't like the way that medicine has become in China, and um, I think it's better here than it used to be also you know it's more integrated and people are demanding you know uh, more service from from medicine in general more service and yeah. uh, and options and not just medication right so yeah. there's i mean there's a lot of research now that shows the efficacy of acupuncture do you see patients that like both or or do they do they you probably have a lot of people coming in now just specifically asking for acupuncture i'd say you know what we have is like a uh, a practice where because it's a family medicine doctor uh who's the sort of key player in the clinic i think she's more attractive to the general population i think chinese medicine doctors see maybe 10 15 percent at the most of patients family doctors see everybody you know so um, we have people from word of mouth who know what we do, who don't want drugs. Uh, but we also have patients that come in who specifically want drugs. So we try to talk them out of it. <laughs> they go, okay, and now I want my antibiotic. So Marie will write out the script and go, okay, well, I'll just write this out in, in case you need it. And like, do the, all these other things first, you know, and, um, that's how we try to sell it. Um, but... You know, it's 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 nice that way. We don't uh, we don't only have one way. We have uh, many ways to do things. Um, so uh, I think they get a, a good perspective of of what's available from going to a regular you know family medicine doctor. Let's put it that way. And when you do acupuncture on somebody, is that you're so that everybody understands? I mean, some of us have a base knowledge, but I want to make sure for anybody that doesn't understand mm. how 
acupuncture works. You're using needles, very, very tiny needles, mm. to get energy, chi, to move in the body. Mm. Yeah. And I'm curious, uh, like, how often, how many times do people see results right away? What What's typical? Well, um, I'd say I have a nice job in that I'd say 99% of people, maybe one in 100, always feel better when they leave than when they came in. I mean, just imagine, so somebody listens to you intently uh, with with uh, open heart. You put your hands on them and do like body work. It's really very nice uh, body work. I'm not, you know, tooting my heart, but it's like I've done that for 30 years, more than 30 years, and um, I, I help people feel comfortable, you know. So when they leave, they kind of got a little tie, a little cranial sacral, a little, you know, minor chiropractic, but mostly just a lot of love, you know. So people feel good, and, and that's, that's actually the true healing thing anyways. It's, the, that's, it's nothing about me. Let's just put it that way. It's like I, it's not about me or my wife. Uh, it's about um, people connecting in a loving way that the body heals itself. I mean, we don't give credit to the body, but, I mean, that's the amazing thing. I'm so glad that you said that because it's, I obviously believe that that's the truth. The body heals itself given the proper support. And you had made a comment in our study group uh, this week about that you really, you used to think mm. your job was about your wisdom and mm. your knowledge and applying that wisdom and knowledge to, to a patient's yeah. symptoms. Uh, however, now you feel like you have this wisdom that it's more about uh, helping them to see themselves. Yeah. And I thought that that was so profound and so wise that you're there compassionately just holding space for your patients and helping them to find self-love, really. Ultimately, all of our healing is, is supporting the body. And, and I think the, the it's, love is where it's at, right? Yeah, you said it much better than I did. <laughs> that's that's exactly, yeah, yeah that, that's what I wanted to say. That's the ticket. No, you said, you said it well. Uh-huh. Well, now you you don't just do acupuncture. You you mentioned cranial sacral, mm. and cranial sacral though that's that's an unusual. I think that's even less known than acupuncture. Yeah, well, and you know I don't. I mean, I would never call myself like a skilled cranial sacral therapist. Um, I just like the way that that feels. You know, it's sort of like. I'm doing things to people that I would like myself. <laughs> and um, that's, that's what I do. You know, it's, it's sort of like I heard Billy Joel the other day uh, on this interview. And he said, I don't write songs for people. I write it for myself. Right. You know? So, I mean, I, I, that's not egotistical. That's just, I mean, look, it's... First, you have to have self-love, you know, and if you love yourself, then you are doing things constantly to enhance that. And I think when I do stuff to people, I'm doing the things that I would like to have done to myself. Um, and that comes from that space of love. And so I think people feel that. So one of the main things, though, 
what what Marie and I do is that we listen to people, you know. What's that? <laughs> I didn't hear you. What'd you say? <laughs> um, yeah, we listen to people. And um, MDs, I feel sorry for them. They don't have much time, you know. Right. They are on this treadmill because they have a big overhead. Uh, a lot of them are lost and, and trying to make a lot of money because um, they went to school for so long. I, I, all, all these different reasons. Um and it's just, uh, if you feel like you've been listened to and uh, people care about you and they're guiding you like they would their brother or sister, you know, and uh, how, can you, how can you go away feeling, you know, that that wasn't a really good experience? And right. that's, that's what happens. Right. You know? Do patients typically come come to you on like a, a regular basis, or do they just come when they have symptoms? Do you do like wellness care? We feel it's the patient's responsibility uh, to heal themselves. So we give them a lot of good information, uh, advice, and we tell them when they leave. Uh, which is very different than I used to do. I used to have a schedule for them coming in, you know, three or four times a week if it was an acute problem. But we tell them now, you make the decision. You listen to your heart. When you feel like you're in need or you, uh, you, you want some love again, you know, come back if, if that's what you think you, uh, it will, will heal you best. But we, we, we have them try to do all these things first. Um, again, it's not a, uh, a good way to make money. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, I feel much better than I used to about, about how I used to manage uh, people because it was about me. Uh, and if I saw them more times, they'd get better quicker. <laughs> but that wasn't true. Um, you know... I don't know if it's true or not. I just feel better about about this. I I observe uh, that it's not about me. It's about the person. So it, they need to do a lot of, you know, um, searching inside. Self healing. Yeah, and 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 know that that's the direction that they need to go in. It's just confidence a lot of times, you know. How did so? How did you get there? What what at what point or what happened? Barry, that you that you decided that you needed to practice differently. Was there some that's major good. turning point in your life? You know, that's a good question. Um, I'm a slow learner, I think, because <laughs> I was practicing the way that I was describing before uh, for like 15 years. Um, I think it was when I moved to China and I worked in a hospital. It was like such an ego thing. It was like this this feather in my cap, you know. I was like one of the only foreigners who had a license ever to practice, you know, in China and Beijing. And um, I thought it was so cool, you know, like... Uh, it is. Well, I mean, it was it was cool to a certain degree as, as an acupuncturist and feeling in this country, especially like you were, you know, a uh, second-class citizen in the medical world. Uh, but um, working at that hospital, I've... I, I, I found that um, 
it was kind of getting soulless, you know, that I, I felt what I was doing wasn't really uh, making a difference, you know, I wasn't serving, it was, it was self-serving. And um, I thought, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna unlearn all the stuff that I learned. I'm just gonna listen with my heart. Now, if I ever have an intern, and I've had plenty, I mean, this is what I say. I say, I am not going to teach you anything that you learned in school. I'm going to have you sit quietly and listen to your heart. And you tell yourself, is this the right point to use? And listen to the patient and try to feel, try to feel in your heart what you know is going on inside of their energy body and if you can touch their spirit somehow you'll know because you can see it in their eyes after you treat them you know and um yeah so at first it was difficult because um you're brainwashed and you 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 think that you have to do this and um when you start it's uncomfortable and it takes time um, but after, say, I'd say after the first year, you know, people would really, you know, compliment me about how they felt, you know, differently. And uh, I, th- I thought, oh, I must be doing something more, more correctly. And, and, and I did. I felt like, I felt like I didn't have, it wasn't about me as much anymore. And the more I kept telling myself that, and putting the responsibility back with the patient, I would see, like, sometimes this before, but I thought it was about me, the patient changed so, so much. Like, they, they really got it. And they, they, this, it was like a flower opening up. It was like, it was like this transformation, like a butterfly. You know, you just see them in all these aspects of their life. It was great. Giving them their power back. Yeah. yeah. To self-heal. Yeah. And the awareness of it. Yeah. How did you decide or what what made you decide to become an acupuncturist? Um, I was mulling (laughs) the idea of doing something because I was working as a bellhop and going to community college. I have a big family and I knew I was going to have to pay for university. And... um, I moved out here to California and uh, got a job at the Hyatt and um, was going to school part-time and working part-time. And I was doing that for like five years, uh, surfing, hanging out with my friends and um, had a live-in girlfriend for the, you know, for a couple years, disaster. And um, called the Oxbow Incident. Good lessons. Yeah. One that I uh, want my kids to have at least a couple of, and um, I I just I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I had some money saved. I went on a uh, a trip, you know. Uh, in Chinese, you say "xin wan li lu du wan quan shu," which just means uh, you can uh, learn more in traveling ten thousand li than you can in reading ten thousand books. So that just means obviously, you know, you you learn a lot from travel. So I went to see my sister in Australia and she had just started in Chinese medicine school in Sydney, Australia, in uh, downtown Sydney on Glebe Street. And um, they let me audit her class for the first month 
It was so cool. Wow. Um, like, my sister's kind of shy, and obviously I'm not. So um, they thought, um, you know, it was me who was going to school. My sister was already. <laughs> but but uh, after, uh, she won't like that. But um, after, after I went back home, I started studying Chinese medicine. So, um, yeah, that was in 1981 or something like that. So, uh, so what about the classes you were auditing were you drawn to? Um, well, I had taken a massage course, you know, 100-hour thing, uh, like uh, when I was 18, and TM, and I learned about vitamin supplements. And my mother's, in, you know, pretty influential in um, learning about, you know, food therapy and uh, some homeopathy and stuff um, before I even, uh, when, I was, when I was really young. Um, but... You know, still, I didn't know how to integrate that in my life. I was taking science classes, and I was thinking, fancying myself as a Western medical doctor, but that was going to be impossible, really. And uh, it just it just worked out. Uh, you know, things work out for a reason. And I'm glad I took that path because I met my wife, and, you know, I went to China, you know. How did uh, you meet Marie? In China. She was uh, running away from her parents. Uh, she was very unhappy. <laughs> Uh, uh, living with her parents in Ohio. She was uh, a Buckeye at Ohio State. Yeah. Go Ohioans! <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, her brother uh, was a teacher in uh, the same city I was living in, which was a smaller city, probably like 3 million or 4 million at that time in China. Um, there are, I think, 59 cities over 7 million in China. So, you know, you guys probably only know like three uh, names of three or four, uh, but there's a bunch of others. And um, anyway, her brother uh, was uh, one of the foreigners there. I mean, he, he looks Chinese like Mary, but there's probably only 75 of us. Uh, I lived at this agricultural university with about 25 Africans from all over Eastern and uh, Western Africa, Central Africa. We'd go to these parties, and it was it was weird. It was odd. It was kind of like us against them. You know, the Chinese were... Like, if I stopped on the street in 1985 and talked to somebody for, like, a minute, try to ask directions someplace, at the end of a minute, there would be five people around me staring at me. And if I, you know, stood there for another five to ten minutes, there'd be hundred or more people around in a circle looking at me, you know. It was it was a very different time than than now. So, anyway, just because you were white, pretty much, yeah, because they haven't they hadn't seen, you know, a foreigner um, in the flesh. They see him on TV and stuff like that. And this was a tourist city, so a lot of tourists from China would come around, and there you'd see some uh, tourists from. American Europe, but not so many in 1985. You know, it was it was still definitely a tourist city, but more mostly Chinese. And so, anyway, Marie uh, took her brother's uh, job when he left. She came with her parents, and her parents had lost the uh, their passports and had to get new passports, and that was kind of lucky in to some degree. And so, she decided to stay, and her parents didn't want her to stay because she would probably meet someone like me. And um, uh, there you go. Uh, we, we fell in love, and uh, um, it was great. Um, uh, you know, we've been together since 1985, so, yeah. She was 20, I was 28, I was robbing the cradle, so, you know. 
Did I knew her, what I didn't like. <laughs> did, her, did her parents? Did her parents like you? Um, well, um, like me. Um, I think they would per- have preferred a Taiwanese uh, businessman as her husband. But I did speak Chinese, and I um, was a doctor of Chinese medicine. Her, her dad was a chemist, and um, he never said anything other than she seems happy, you know. And her mother uh, liked me so much that when Marie would come home for Christmas, there would be a Taiwanese businessman uh, just happened to be there for dinner sometimes. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no, he's just coming for dinner. (laughs) Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Well, obviously, you you stuck in there. (laughs) Yeah. Marie's heart won out. As soon as the babies came out and they were very beautiful... They said, oh, you did something right, kid, you know, oh, so um, I and was They're accepted. not babies anymore. How old are your sons? Uh, Going to be 22, and uh, one just turned 18. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you, would you like them to pursue uh, acupuncture, or? Um, I'd like them to do anything that they have a passion for, so um, um, I think the 22-year-old, nearly 22-year-old, uh, uh He's, you know, kind of like a lot of 22-year-olds, not sure. And the 18-year-old uh, is passionate about traveling, so he's just done, a, like, a, a big trip. Um, uh, he, he did not like America when we moved back here, and he got his GED when he was 16 and a half and went to Australia to go work and um, saved a bunch of money. We told him we'd match whatever funds that he saved, and he saved, like, 7000 in, like, eight or nine months. And... Uh, he went with in his pocket fourteen grand to New Zealand, Bali, uh, Sri Lanka, India, Nepal, back to Hong Kong, back to Beijing to see his friends graduate from high school, Mongolia, uh, Korea, Japan, Hawaii, and then back here. Now he went back to Australia again. He's going to work there this year again. Uh, we'll see. You know, it's like a. A gap year, a lot of Europeans and uh, do that, and some Americans. Um, but, you know, I think education now is so different, and uh, I would like to him for him to follow his passion, too. Um, but again, you know, who knows what that will be? Who knows what uh, will happen in the future with jobs and things like that? It's a changing world really quickly. That's true. And... Speaking of which, you you are particularly passionate about economics, and Uh-oh. not you're not just an acupuncturist that is mm. amazingly uh, loving and passionate for your patients. You you happen to be pretty forward thinking and knowledgeable about economics and and the financial world. Well, one thing that I did a long time ago was to look into how to invest money because. One of the things we were doing is uh, we're good savers, and so uh, my wife's job is really good, and I had a practice in PB. I was doing well, and we saved a bunch of money. So I was thinking, gosh, you know, what do you do when you get a lot of money? you got to invest it. you got to get yield. So I was looking at ways of getting yield. This was right around especially 2004 or five uh, time, and the people I was reading were very, you know, contrary to what you'd normally read. So... Um, I invested in gold and silver and uh, got out of the market uh, at the right time because these people were smart and knew it was coming. And uh, then I realized uh, when I was reading deeper about economics and how money is created and about the Federal Reserve and how this is a rigged system and how if 
um, I was doing the same thing I was doing, investing that way. I was part of this really horrible system. It's sort of like, uh, um, doing some kind of soulless thing that actually hurts people. So, uh, most people don't realize that because they haven't really educated themselves. And there is a reason we don't learn about economics. I mean, like the Federal the Federal Reserve, I watched a video, I mean, literally, this was a group of the wealthiest uh, men in the world that got together and formed the Federal Reserve to control the financial situation. It's private-public, uh, but it mostly private, because if you even go to the federal area of the you know, phone book, you won't find the Federal Reserve. It's 500 banks in 12 different regions. Um, it's just not just the Federal Reserve, and this is an older thing. It's it's fractionalized banking, uh, and it's it's lending at interest. I mean, it doesn't. Uh, I mean, it's, I don't want to go into this too 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 much depth, but that that's the crux of everything. And if if you know just basic math, you realize that you know uh, in the Byzantine Empire, these guys were decent mathematicians. They they constantly had uh, debt jubilees and uh, wrote off the debt because you can't uh, keep going with, you know, compound interest. It, uh, it's only in things like tumors and uh, in, the, in living systems that become extinct or dead. Uh, so uh, sustainability wouldn't be what the kind of system we, we have. Um, and so if we, we can do things like um, public banks, uh, local currencies, um, uh, support each other uh, with uh, permaculture and um, uh, yeah. But you tried. You've you've made efforts to create interest in creating local banks and yeah. have come up against challenges in in getting some support. There will always be challenges. Um, you have to kind of look at the people who um, are um, in control of things. Uh, very efficient at at what they do, and um, um, it's it's not it. it look, um, everyone is good, okay, uh, and we should love every single person. And the system that we have is really broke, okay. So you can't just tweak it around the edges, and we have to we have to look at how we can do things in the future in a much more sustainable way. Our, I think our founding forefathers and other countries do that much better than we do. I, we have systematically uh, shortened our detention spans and the amount of time uh, that we want to invest in things. So uh, it took me a long time to learn about economics. Uh, so I would encourage anyone to to um, you know, look into that into a little more depth. Uh, look at the Bank of North Dakota and how they've helped the, the state of North Dakota. Um, that's that's one thing that you could do. And then um, look at going into complementary currencies. Look, think about things like Bitcoin. Uh, not 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 Bitcoin per se, but the platform of Bitcoin, which is a concept. Yeah. Yeah, because it's a, it's more of the protocol of Bitcoin that's the value of it, not not the price. The price is deceiving. Uh, yeah, so. So I always ask uh, guests what the number one wellness advice, number one wellness tip, or uh, what you would advise people. Obviously, you're giving good advice about financial, and I think it's awareness. Yeah. But in general, yeah. what what do you share with people that you think is the most important thing they can do to, to be well? 
self-love, basically self-love, um, figuring out um, what it is that feeds your spirit, your purpose in, in life, um, and do that uh, to your uh, deepest depth that you can do that. And in your life, you will have had a very worthy and valuable life. Um, otherwise, it's, you know, it's just what's the purpose, you know? So, yeah, so that, that comes from first from self love and then figuring out what the, your purpose is. And uh, personally, I, I think mine is to serve and um, I, I'm doing it and I, I, I feel more fulfilled than I ever have. But I said, like I said, I was a slow learner, and it took me a long time to see well, that. I think that we're we're entrained to believe that survival is our is our first and foremost, and and in fact, it's hard to get to a point of realizing that service is ultimately, I think, the answer for everyone. How we serve is is the uniqueness, but service is the answer for fulfilling purpose and finding self love and and just being well. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what what is the what is the way that people can learn how to be of service and still be in working to survive mode you know because i think that's you know like you say it took a long time to learn i think it was because you were you were you were a dad and you were and yeah. you had mouths to feed and and i think the average person is in that place where they just have to they have to make ends meet yeah so how and it's like how do we get from point a to point b um well one thing is having gratitude for what you actually have. I mean, I, I've traveled a lot and I've lived in other countries where people materially don't have very much. And I mean, in my family, I had eight brothers and sisters and it was quite simple, you know. I mean, it's not, you know, rocket science. You, you don't need that much. And, and um, if people can think about not being consumers and being citizens, you know, that's one thing that's like serving. <laughs> it's it's hard to say because everyone's responsibility to 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 look inside their own soul. And I, I you know, this is the same thing when when patients come in and they they want a pill or they they want the 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 great you know guru to heal and cure them. You know, that's that's not really the answer. You know, right. if we look externally. For the things that uh, that that are inside of us already, right. you won't find them. So, so you you meditation, um, serving others, um, uh, simplifying your life, uh, being grateful for what you have, traveling, um, get, getting out of uh, out of your your uh, local area. Go to another place. See how other people live. Right. Um, try to accept people uh, and yourself. Listen to others. Pa- yeah. Powerful, powerful <laughs> advice that we all can keep working on, that's yeah. for sure. So I just want to remind anyone that's listening, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can call in, leave a message. Um, the number is 206-600-2475. All of the show notes outlining what we've talked about you can find as well as ways to reach barry and his wife uh, dr marie shea with the collaborative clinic you can find this information if you go to health uh, 
and wellness and sinitas.com and and is spelt out so that's health and wellness and sinitas.com Barry I so appreciate you being here I so appreciate uh, we're in a study group together and I don't how many years have we been almost uh, two and a, two and a half I think something like that over two over two years and yeah. uh, I, I so one of these simple things it's one of these simple things in life that we get together. We pick a different topic uh, within functional medicine, and I get so much because it's not really so about the information. The information is powerful, but it's the small group yeah. of just really well-intended people, and I and mm. so I, I'm very grateful for for that venue and for mm. being there, and I'm very grateful that you could come and be with us today. And anybody that gets the chance to go and, and meet you and Marie mm. are going to be blessed. Thank you for, for having it. me. I really appreciate this. Uh, honor and uh, hopefully um, people who are listening um, will uh, you know heed some of this advice if that if it strikes a chord within them um, then I've I've, I've I've done my job um, uh, which is service uh, but I appreciate you and the group as well um, it is interesting how we off get off topic and Oftentimes we don't even uh, we just go on about other things and it's it's it doesn't matter you know. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's uh, you know, Doctor uh, Dave, David Hawkins that wrote Power versus Force. He talks about the uh, the the levels or the attractor levels of groups such as religions or any kind of yeah. organization and how the organizations that calibrate the highest are the, are groups of people that are coming together without necessarily a leader. Uh, or any kind of dogma, but groups that are getting together ex- exclusively for the purpose of supporting each other. And and I really feel that in our study group, because while we're coming together for the purpose of uh, self-education, it, we, it's all with the greater good in mind. And energetically, I always feel so uplifted mm. by that time. And it's so powerful. So I think that's another thing that people could realize and, and benefit from that, you know, when you when you get together with others for the sheer purpose of serving and, and mm. learning, you get a lot, of, a lot more than a little bit of information. I sure do. Mm. Yeah. Well, yay us. <laughs> Thank you, Barry. Yeah. I, I so appreciate it. And uh, so this is Health and Wellness and Sinitas. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, please subscribe if, if uh, you can go on your phone and subscribe. That way you'll get all of the shows uh, automatically in your phone. How cool. All right. Thank you so much.